Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, let's try that one more time. Good morning, everyone. That was fantastic. Wow. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis today. Genesis chapter 49 for our study. We'll look at two chapters as we finally, finally, finally finish the book of Genesis. It's been a year and a half in our journey. And so here it comes, the very end. Genesis 49, verse 1. As Moses continues his discussion on first things. Verse 1 of 49. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah. Your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. You stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples." binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in, in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, so he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall, and the archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. <laughs> unmoved 
His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, and by the God of your father, who will help you by the Almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. May the Lord add his blessing at the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Well, by way of reminder, this finishes Genesis today. But next week, we start the Gospel of John with a series title, That You May Believe. So I invite you to come back next week as we begin, John. You don't want to miss this series. It's going to be incredible. First of all here, we are constantly tempted to give up our walk with God. That's what we're faced with. Every morning we wake up whether or not we're going to continue to follow him and trust him. Life circumstances that seem to constantly be going the wrong way. Difficulties seem to come one after another, piling up just ready to fall and crush us. It can seem at times that life is against us and that there are people standing in the way of all of our hopes and dreams. Then that we are tempted to hold grudges against those who are making things difficult for us. We create elaborate plans for payback for those who stand in our way. I'm sure at one time this is exactly what Joseph must have felt like after all that his brothers had put him through. It would have been very easy for him to get focused on the details of his struggle and lose sight of the big picture that God was majestically painting in his life. Now, I assume most of you are a little familiar with artwork. If you're familiar with mosaics, mosaics, of course, are big picturesque pieces of art that are made up of little tiles, little color spectrums that make a big picture. But in the midst of life, as we look at the mosaic of life, it's very easy to get focused on one or two tiles, and for a moment, all we can see is yellow! And your whole world is yellow. And we forget to push back from the tiles and go, wait, oh wow, there's a huge picture here that's going on. This is how it is for all of us. It's very easy to get caught up in the, what's right in front of you and the loose side of the big picture. Beloved, all of us, all of us have been so very blessed by all that God has done for us. Through his power, he created us. By his mercy, he redeemed us. By his grace, he forgave us. And by his love for us, and through what he has so freely given to us through Christ, he has saved us from so much. And all that we have is from him, if we'd only acknowledge that. With all that he has done for us, he invites us now, even right now, to walk with him in all things. He promises to honor our passionate desire to forgive and restore others. And as we humbly live out the good news of Jesus Christ in our daily lives, he can know, we can know with certainty that he will surely take care of us. We've gone back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. God will surely take care of you is our focus today. From the beginning, we followed the seed line of a promised redeemer that would come from the seed of a woman that would destroy the evil one, the serpent, 
Satan once and for all. From Adam and Eve, we have followed the lineage of this Redeemer through their descendants, namely to Seth, and then eventually to Noah, and then to Shem, and eventually to Terah, and to Abraham. And with Abraham, God made a threefold covenant, <clears throat> saying that Abraham would be a father of a great nation with many descendants, and that he and his descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. And he promised Abraham land in which to dwell. And so God subsequently reiterated that promise to Abraham's son Isaac and then to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And through all of this, God changed Jacob's character as well. In Genesis 37, we began the last major section of Genesis, focusing on the life of Joseph. So far, Joseph has been thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, falsely accused of rape, forgotten in jail, and through his God-given ability to interpret dreams, he has been placed in command of all Egypt, only second in command to Pharaoh himself. And through God's sovereign plan, Joseph has now become the savior of his own family. His father and brothers have come to Egypt and have found food and shelter in the midst of a great famine. And now Joseph's father, Jacob, at the end of his days, he calls all of his sons before him to extend his blessings and admonitions on them before he breathes his last. In verse 1, it said, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. So he calls his sons. He gathers them together for this family meeting talks to them about what's going to happen in the days to come, literally at the end of days, he says. As he calls them, he says to them, listen. In Hebrew, the word here is shema. That's where we get the word shema for the shema from Deuteronomy 6.4, where God says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, your God is one understand this idea of listening from a Hebraic standpoint isn't just this idea of listen up. For a good Jew, if you're listening, you're about doing. You could easily translate the word listen to obey. So as he gathers his sons together, assemble and obey, he says. O sons of Jacob, obey Israel, your father. Again, this is a prophetic idea that's going throughout this last section of Scripture. These 12 sons are going to be dealt with. We see the prophetic nature of Jacob's blessing for each son with prophetic language and the use of Hebraic metaphors. They're, they're used to describe some of the blessings. But today I have three major truths for your consideration. But before we look at them, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we recognize that we are indeed a needy people. I know I am. And Lord, we need to hear from you today, not from this speaker. We need to hear what you have to say to us through these blessings to these sons of Israel. So Lord, we ask that you'd be our teacher, be our guide, help us to listen, help us not to miss anything you might have for us today that we might even obey. Thank you, Lord. Pray this is your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined from the materials that you received when you came in today, here's the first truth. First of all, God has called us to walk with him in all things. What we're going to hear with these 12 blessings, some of them not so much of a blessing, 
are 12 truths that we need to live by. First of all, know this for certainty. If you walk in sexual rebellion, you will lose your position. Count on it. Reuben, he starts with, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power. You're, you are awesome, man. But, did you see verse 4? Unstable as water. Uh, can anybody walk on water? Anybody in here? No, not so much. Why? Not stable. Jesus could. <laughs> Unstable as water, Reuben, you shall not have preeminence. You just lost your spot. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. The loss of preeminence. You were preeminent, but not anymore. Why? Because Reuben took Jacob's handmaid and slept with her. Beloved, we need to be obedient, self-controlled people as opposed to being those who are unstable. You ever get in one of those uh, round-bottom canoes? How'd that go for you? Whoa, unstable as water. Mark my word, if you walk in sexual promiscuity, you will lose your place. You will lose your position. position. I've seen it. I know, know of a guy who had a great position. He was at a dealership in charge of the whole division. And sure enough, he had porn on his computer, fired, it's over, you're done, have a great day. Another guy, I can tell you countless stories of guys who destroyed their marriages. They lost their place, they lost their position because they could not turn off the porn. They couldn't stop clicking and they destroyed themselves. They destroyed their marriages, their families devastating. It doesn't have to be this way. It just doesn't. You don't have to lose your place. Hear, O Israel. Obey, O Israel. Obey. Secondly, if you walk in anger and rage, you'll be separated from wisdom and fellowship. We saw a moment ago Reuben ended up settling on the east side of the Jordan, basically moved from the promised land, but now to Simeon and Levi. What are we going to say? Verse 5, your brothers, it says, weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not in their counsel. I don't want to even listen to these guys. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. Don't even be a part of these guys. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I'll divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Simeon and Levi. You'll recall they destroyed the people of Shechem because of their anger over their sister Dinah being disgraced. Now, by the way, were they right in their anger about being upset about what happened to Dinah? Absolutely. But was it theirs to execute justice? Apparently not. They had every right to be upset, yes, but they had no right to take vengeance into their own hands. Nowhere in Scripture is taking vengeance in your own hands ever exonerated as a good thing. The results ultimately for Simeon and Levi are these. Simeon became consumed as a tribe in greater Judah. You really don't hear much about him from here on out. Levi, by God's grace, redeemed themselves later as they stood with Moses at the golden calf incident. 
in Exodus. They received no land, but became the priests of the tribe of all of Israel. But mark my word, your uncontrolled anger is a relationship destroyer. I know a guy, he was at my house having dinner with his family for several years, part of the church. He'll be in jail forever <laughs> till he dies. He's in, he's in the Michigan pen. He'll never get out because he decided to kill a prostitute. Turns out he was actually he had somebody else he had murdered prior to that. That one never got charged because this one was sufficient to put him away forever. What a waste. Hey, have you looked at the news as what's going on? People who are killing people indiscriminately. Horrible, horrible things. Understand how these things are true with what God is saying. God has called us to walk with him in all things. If you walk in sexual rebellion, you'll lose your position. If you walk in anger and rage, you'll be separated from wisdom and fellowship. You're going to lose your spots. I don't know what kind of person you are. Do you walk into your house? Are you miss? Mr. or Mrs. Angry Person? <laughs> you don't have to be. Instead of pushing everybody away, you could bring grace, kindness, gentleness. Oh, that we would. Oh, that we would obey. In contrast, instead of anger and rage, we need to put on love, peace, kindness. When you're angry, choose the awesome thing to do in the situation. Choose not to be destructive. Now, with those two under our belts, from here on out, these blessings seem to paint a picture of what it looks like to follow and walk with God and to become more like Christ. These two, of course, in terms of these three, I should say, with Simeon and Levi and Reuben, they're kind of outcasts. But now we come to Judah. And here's what we can learn from Judah. As you lay down your life for others, you will indeed reign with him Verse 8, Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the, from the prey, my son, you've gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Beloved, this is a, a symbol of the messianic line that now the seed line comes to Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Beloved, the promised sea line of the Redeemer goes to Judah. Now at first we saw Judah wrestle with his own moral purity, with his failure and sin with Tamar just a few chapters ago. But in the end, Judah ends up being a picture of Christ's likeness. How so? Twice he offers his own life in exchange for the life of Benjamin, first to his father Jacob and then to his brother Joseph. And the question here is, are you willing to lay down your life for others so that they might live? There is no greater love than this, Jesus says, than to lay down our life for someone. And that's exactly what Judah does here. He laid down his life that others might live, and that's precisely what Christ has done for us. And now the scepter will not depart from Judah. He's in the line of the promised Messiah. Fourthly, as you walk with God, you will make, he will make you a safe haven. 
Notice what it says in verse 13, Zebulon. There's a name you don't hear about very often. Zeb, I like that name. Zebulon shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. And, and now we try to figure out what's, what's the inference here, what's, what's being said about Zebulon. Well, apparently he's a haven for people. And God purposes to make you a safe haven for people. Do people see you as someone who is safe or someone who is dangerous? Are people seeing you as more of a porcupine or are you a warm fuzzy? Scripture calls us to be a bit more of a warm fuzzy than a porcupine. Are you pushing people away or drawing people to Christ? Are you a safe haven? Fifthly here, as you walk with God, he will make you a strong servant. Issachar, verse 14, is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, so he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. You recall with regard to our Savior, in Mark 10, 45, it won't be on the screen, for even the Son of Man, Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As you walk with God, he'll make you a strong servant. He bowed his shoulder to bear, 15 says, and became a servant at forced labor. A lot of us, we want everybody else to serve us. And here the call is for us to become servants of others. That's the encouragement there. Sixthly, as you wait on God's salvation, he will grant you wisdom and judgment. And now we come to Dan, verse 16. Dan shall judge his people. As one of the tribes of Israel, Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. All of us are longing for wisdom, wisdom in judgment, wisdom in Christ-centered living. Here we find it, this blessing, this prophetic blessing going to Dan, who is a serpent in the way. Jesus said, in Matthew 10, 16, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as what? Serpents and as innocent as doves. That's the imagery. We need wisdom. We need insight to be successful in our walk with Christ. Seventh, as you walk with God, he will deliver you from adversity. This is what we see with Gad. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Even when you are attacked, you'll be upheld and protected. Joseph was delivered from his brothers, and Jesus was delivered at every turn, surrounded by accusers, holding rocks who wanted to stone Jesus at a moment's notice, and yet he would simply walk away. And God preserved Jesus, and God will preserve you as you walk in obedience. As you walk with God, he'll deliver you from adversity, difficulty. He won't just take you take it away from you completely. He'll take you through it for his purposes. And next up we see Asher. As you walk with God, he will provide all that you need. And Asher's food shall be rich, it says, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Here is the idea that God will always provide. And I just would like to remind you that you made it here today. Obviously, God provided for you being able to be here. It is only by his sheer hand of grace that any of us are in this room, his provision that he made for you all the while for you to even be here. But then we have 
Naphtali. As you walk with God, he will grant you freedom and restorative words. It says, Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Beautiful fawns? What are we talking about here? Well, in the Hebrew, the word beautiful is tov. Fawns is imer. Tov vimer, which literally could be translated beautiful words. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Are you a person that puts forward beautiful words, or are you putting forth words that are destructive and hurtful? As Paul says in Ephesians 4, are you bringing grace to people in, in your hearing as people hear what you have to say? Are you a grace bearer or are you destructive and hurtful? And then we have Joseph. As you faithfully forgive others, he will make you fruitful. Don't miss this one. Watch how this works. Verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bow. A fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. Fruitfulness. Think of what we're dealing with with spring right now. Blessing, abundance, fruitful. The archers bitterly attacked him. Yeah, the brothers did. They shot at him and harassed him severely. Yeah, that's what happened to Joseph. He was uh, under a bad spot there with his brothers, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father, watch this, who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your fathers are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Did you notice the word blessing here? Blessing, blessing, blessing. Why? Because he trusted God in life. He was faithful. He was steadfast in his commitment to God no matter what he was going through, and it ended up blessing his whole family in an amazing way. He offered restoration to his brothers. He offered reconciliation. He offered forgiveness. Did they deserve forgiveness? No, but he granted it to them. He granted forgiveness to his brothers who absolutely did not deserve any of it. He is seen as a lifesaver. Life-saving is always honored by God with blessing. And so Joseph, with all these brothers, receives the highest commendation and therefore the greatest blessing by God's sheer grace toward him. And lastly, with this, as you walk with God, he will grant you victory. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at the evening dividing the spoil. He wins. He's victorious in dividing the spoil. It is said that Benjamin divides the spoil, which means he is victorious over his enemies. And of course, Jesus has the ultimate victory, victory over the grave, as he divides now with us the spoils. And the question here with all this, that we looked at these 12 brothers, will you walk with God in all these things, or will you walk in rebellion? We saw a couple, the first three weren't so good, but the rest are amazing. And as we come to the end of 49, we read, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This will not be on the screen, but listen close. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. 
Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. By the way, which is interesting because he chooses to be buried with Leah and not with Rachel, whom he loved. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Now as the account continues in verse 1 of 50, then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. And 40 days were required for it, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, I am about to die. In my tomb that I hewed out of for myself in the land of Canaan, there shall you bury me. Now therefore, let me please go up and bury my father. Then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Hattad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a great, very great and grievous lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the, flesh, the, the threshing floor of Hattad, they said, this is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore, the place was named Abel Mithraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah to the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. And now, secondly today, don't miss this. God will honor our passionate desire to forgive and restore others. Watch what happens here because it is amazing. When Joseph's brothers, verse 15, saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for the evil that we did him. You ever been in a situation like that? Something happens, something occurs, and you start thinking to yourself, boy, this might not go well. This might have implications that are pretty negative. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. So Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph has already been moved emotionally by this whole situation with how his family showed up in Egypt to begin with and now hearing this call for hey would you please forgive us he's now weeping again like really and his brothers also came and fell down before him and said behold we are your servants 
Watch this, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, Oh, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Awesome. You understand how awesome that is? What's he saying? I'm not God. That's not my problem. That's going to be God's problem, not mine. As for you, verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is my favorite verse in this whole section. Do not fear. I will provide for you. Don't miss it. And your little ones. And your little people too. I got you. Your whole family. There's no better sentiment than that on Mother's Day. <laughs> Is there? Isn't that, isn't that what mothers do? They, they got us. They take care of us. Joseph makes it very clear. I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not God. I'm going to take care of you and your little ones. It's beautiful. Thus, it says, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, don't forget, Joseph has every right to be motivated with retribution and payback, but instead he's moved with compassion. Oh, that we would be moved with compassion towards people. Paul in Ephesians 4 says this. It won't be on the screen. Listen close. Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Can, can we be a forgiving people based on who he is and what he's done for us? Absolutely. The better question is, will we? The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone. Are you hearing that? Joseph's striving for peace with these guys. They're like, oh, no. No, it's okay, guys. God's got this. I'll take care of you. But we don't strive. Why? It's too hard. And I might strive and nothing might not come of it. Has that happened? Where you tried to make things right and it just pushed you further away? Oh, been there, done that. Does that mean we should just quit striving altogether? No, keep at it. Don't give up. Strive. Strive for it. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. We've all seen toxic families, right? We've all seen it. Where there's bitterness all over the place and hardly anybody can stay in the same room and there's arguments and people are leaving. And it's ugly, it's no fun. It doesn't have to be that way, you guys. It just doesn't. Strive for peace. God will so honor your passionate desire to forgive and restore others. Go after it. Strive after it. Forgiving one another. Being kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgive others as God in Christ forgave you. Beloved, this is the very heart of the gospel. This is the very heart of the very essence of, if I could say, the whole book of Genesis. Because the problem was sin, Genesis 3, and the solution is Christ and the forgiveness that we receive through faith in him. Because the whole 
Old Testament points to Christ. The, the book of Genesis points to Christ and the forgiveness that we all need. And it's exemplified in this beautiful way through Joseph. Don't fear. Am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God's doing something beyond what you guys have a clue about. And I'll provide for you. So don't fear and your little ones. Oh, that we would bring comfort to each other. What a beautiful picture. Lastly today, as we wind things up in the book of Genesis, don't lose this. And it's possible this is the very thing that you need to hear today. Thirdly, God will surely take care of you. He will. Notice what it says in verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt. He and his father's house... Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children for the third generation. The children also of Mechir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. So through his two boys, the line continues. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land, to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. God will visit you. Twice it says that, verse 24 and then 25, literally meaning God will be with you. Beloved, the only reason that you're here today is that over the years, God has seen to it that you were taken care of to the extent that you are still here alive, breathing. And that, my friends, is by his outrageous grace toward all of us. James 4.13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As if, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. It's only by God's grace that we go anywhere. But the true thing that we know beyond all measure is that he is with us. The psalmist says, Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath, Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O oh Lord, for, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. This is our only hope. This is all we need. In light of the fact that our lives are merely a breath, the only hope we have is God and his presence with us by way of his provision in Christ. This has been one of the great themes of all of Genesis wherein God remembers us. God remembered Noah. God remembered Abraham. God remembered Rachel. I will be with you. That phrase shows up 20 times throughout the whole book. Jesus says to us, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one 
will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, Jesus says, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Surely I will visit you. Surely I will be with you. I and the Father are one. What tiles are you looking at right now? What's, what's on your grid? You know, in your mosaic, are you stuck here looking at yellow? Maybe over here. You're, maybe you're over here with orange. Push back. Bigger picture. God's got it. He can handle it. He's with you. You're not alone. He wants to bless you beyond measure if we just trust him. We talk about God's blessing here. We're not talking about having a Lamborghini in the garage. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his presence in our life through faith in Christ that we all need. We all need forgiveness to such an extent that now we can go and forgive and restore and love. It sounds like, you know, such platitudes, Pastor. Thanks for sharing all that. No, this can be real in your life, in your relationships, in your own heart. By his grace, we've all been so very blessed by all that God has done for us. Through his power, he created us. By his mercy, he redeemed us. By his grace, he forgave us. He has saved us from so much by his love for us and through what he has freely, so freely given to us through Christ. All that we have is from him. With all that he has done for us, he invites us to walk with him in all things. He promises to honor our passionate desire to forgive and restore others. And as we humbly live out the good news of Christ in our daily lives, we can know with certainty that he will surely, surely, surely take care of us. Would you please stand with me as we close our service today? Oh, God. As we look to these things today, we're not worthy of them. I think of some of the many blessings we saw with these sons. The blessing of being a servant. The blessing of being someone who forgives. The blessing of having wisdom. So much you want to pour into us, pour on us by your sheer grace. Lord, help us to get a clue on these things. And Lord, may we also exemplify Christ as Joseph did, as Judah demonstrated, that we'd be willing to lay down our lives that others might live, and that we might find all that we're longing for in Christ, all that is sufficient for us, all that is enough, and that we might find our satisfaction in you and you alone with who you are in your beauty. Oh, that we might speak beautiful words to each other, life-giving words. Lord, you know the hearts before me. You know where the conflicts are, where the bitterness is. Things that need to be worked out, especially on a Mother's Day perhaps say to a sibling the things that need to be said to make things right or things that need to be said to mom to make things right. 
Oh, that we would seek to take care of each other and our little ones by your grace. What beautiful truth and sentiment. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the power of Genesis. It's your word by way of your spirit. Lord, we just pray that these things would burn into our hearts in such a way that we might walk in them. That we not just listen, but we'd obey. Help us to push back from the tiles and see the whole picture, God. You are God. And you know exactly what you're doing. As you take us through all that we need to go through for your purposes, to grow us and to mature us, to make us something beautiful in your sight. Lord, thank you. We want to give you all the praise today. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said, amen. Have a fantastic, happy Mother's Day. Don't forget, the photo booth is right out there.